Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, every year the Associated Press sports editors pour over the work with their judges of the prior year. They read everybody. They're looking for the best columnist, the best beat reporter, the best investigative, the best projects, enterprise, feature writing. Our next guest is one of the top 10 in the Associated Press Sports Editor's National Beat Writing category. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. Proud to call him my friend. Joining us now on the hotline. Congrats, man. That news just out. I think I broke that news. <laughs> you did. You did. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And your listeners probably ought to know that their host was a multiple-time winner as well. So congratulations to you as well. I uh, my one of the one of the pieces that that uh, that is in the top ten that I wrote is a short feature about my seven year old daughter learning to ride a bike, and uh, I it was one of the most fun columns that I I had a chance to write in the last year. And I got to be honest with you, I showed her the uh, thing. I said, "Look, you made top ten. She got a big smile on her face. So that that made it for me. Uh, you know, learning her. She learned to ride a bike. I wrote about it, and uh, I guess some people liked it. So. Thank you, my friend. Um, big, big honor for you, um, and you've done a hell of a job. You are tireless. I don't know how you do it. Last week, you're with your daughter touring colleges while interviewing sources and writing stories. How does that work for you? Uh, it didn't work very smoothly, but, you know, the, the I had put in a request to interview Washington State President Kirk Schultz uh, about the college football playoff and other issues related to the Pac-12 early to mid-January, and finally I was told that he can talk to you on this day. It so happened to be a day that we were driving around Southern California looking at colleges, uh, So I, but I was able to carve out a few minutes for him, and, you know, it was certainly informative. There's a lot going on for Washington State and Oregon State in terms of plotting their future. Uh, last week was a huge week for the playoff, right? I mean, they they finalized the the 5-7 format with his vote, Schultz's vote, and they also discussed what the thing is going to look like in the future, and it's going to be – it's going to change in two years. It, it's pretty clear to me that it's going to go to 14 in two, in two years. It's crazy. How nervous or anxious is Schultz right now for Oregon State and Washington State in the, in the playoff structure that goes beyond the next two years? No, I mean, I think they're very nervous, starting with the 26th season. And, right, the, the playoff is set for the next two seasons uh, with 12 teams. Washington State and Oregon State would qualify as at-large teams, not as conference champions. Uh, and then starting in 26, there is no playoff. There's no media deal. There's no format. There's no governing structure. There's nothing. They're starting from scratch. And the SEC and the Big Ten are – basically going to get whatever they want. They want a 14-team playoff. They want a bunch of automatic bids. And I think if you're Washington State and Oregon State, you're nervous. If you're a team in the Mountain West with a group of five, 
you're nervous. And frankly, if you're in the ACC or Big, Ten, Big 12, you're a little nervous because the SEC and the Big 10 have all the big brands and they're going to get what they want. I, I keep thinking about that in, you know, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner and, you know, the Big Ten, Tony Petiti, they, they've got, you know, most of the big brands in college football and they've got a lot of influence and power. What do they want? Do they want it all or are they willing to, ha- you know, create a structure that resembles the NCAA tournament and invites all comers? Well, they can't. I don't think that they can take everything because then they would be subject to some kind of antitrust lawsuit, right? Uh, Unless they literally wanted to form their own playoff, two-conference playoff, which I don't think that serves anybody, and I don't think they want to do that. But they've got to create access for the other leagues. Otherwise, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, collusion. But they can still take the majority. The latest uh, proposal that Yahoo reported this afternoon is that the Big Ten and the SEC would each have three automatic spots in a 14-team playoff. The Big 12 and ACC would have two each. There would also be three at-large bids. And if you assume that those three at-large bids are going to the Big Ten and the SEC, then they would have nine of the 14 spots between those two conferences. And that's probably about as much as they can flex their muscle in a 14-team uh, event. But still, that's not, 9 out of 14. They are dominating the event, and they're going to dominate college sports. I mean, I don't think a lot of fans realize, you know, just how much influence those two leagues are going to have over the rest of major college football. It's 34 schools in those two leagues. There's 130 in major college football, and those 34 have a huge, huge sway over everything else. All right, give me an idea, because in your piece today, you know, Kurt Schultz is basically saying, let's see how this unfolds, because you have one group of managers from the for the college football playoff that consists of presidents and chancellors of the universities. Then you have another group that is the conference commissioners, and it seems like the conference commissioners – get a lot of things done, and then just turn to the presidents and chancellors and say, hey, rubber stamp this for us. And that, and I'm a little worried that that ends up not good for the rest of college football. Right. Well, and Schultz is concerned about that, too. And, and he made it pretty clear to me, and I think he's made it clear in their meetings, that he thinks that the, the presidents need to be more involved and not get you know, kind of hit with these radical proposals that have been worked out by the commissioners and all of a sudden it's just in front of the presidents for approval without a, a more thorough vetting process. So I think, I think that's part of it for sure. Uh, but, you know, he, he's got a lot going on, uh, and everybody has got to be worried if you're not in the SEC or, or Big Ten. And I think part of, part of what Schultz feels like is realignment is not done. Washington State and Oregon State, they're still hoping maybe they can get in the Big 12 eventually. Uh, or the ACC implodes, uh, which I think is there's a chance of that happening with the Florida State lawsuit. The ACC implodes, that could set off a whole new round of realignment. Maybe Stanford and Cal uh, end up coming back out west. Maybe there's some giant conference that's formed. You, nobody knows, but Washington State and Oregon State are trying to remain flexible in case 
the unexpected happens. Two years to rebuild the conference to eight teams and keep their status as a conference. There, there seems to be a ticking clock here, Wilner. And how long can Oregon State, Washington State, be patient and look, or do they have to kind of go down the path of rebuilding while also preparing for uh, that implosion you talk about? I mean, I think they are building the plane while they are flying it in a lot of in a lot of ways, right? I mean, they're staying flexible in case there's more realignment, but they also have got to be planning for some kind of expansion. Now, when do they have to decide on expansion? You know, that's a, I don't know that there's a, a set answer on that because it depends on what they do, right? They've got to worry about exit, exit fees for Mountain West schools unless the Mountain West dissolves, right? I mean, and that's, a, that's certainly a possibility. If there's nine Mountain West schools that vote to dissolve to join the Pac-12, there's no exit fees. So that would change the timeline. If there are exit fees, then you've got the 12- and 24-month windows that, that affect the, the amount. So I, I kind of get the sense that, you know, by the late spring, they're probably going to have a pretty good idea of what they want to do with the Pac-12 rebuild, but they still would kind of be waiting around to see what happens to the ACC. John Wilner with us, San Jose Mercury News. Uh, the... Uh... The, the war chest, $255 million settlement in principle reached in December. You recently reported that that isn't finalized yet. Should people be concerned, or is that just dotting I's crossing T's? Well, Schultz told me that they had not finalized, the, the attorneys had not finalized everything. I think they have agreed in principle to the big pieces, but... Some of the details are still being worked out, and you've got, right? I mean, this is affecting uh, 12 different schools, uh, what, six states. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a, from a legal standpoint, it's very complicated. To me, I asked him specifically about the liabilities. For instance, who's paying George Kliakoff's buyout, which is probably, what, about $8 million? Is that being split 12 ways? Who's... Who's paying uh, the Holiday Bowl's got like a $3 million lawsuit against the Pac-12? Who's paying that? Uh, There's a wrongful termination lawsuit filed by the former Pac-12 Networks employees. Who's paying that? And he said that that's kind of all being worked out. The liabilities piece is being worked out. And that's, I think, kind of the holding up the the dotting of the uh, I's and crossing of the T's. Wilner, a new commissioner will be introduced formally tomorrow in a news conference you'll be on that call i'll be on that call um teresa gold you've talked to her you know who she is what what does she need to do tomorrow in that in that media appearance and what what job will she have in the short term what's it what are the important things for her i mean it's kind of one of the strangest ever right i mean she's taking over a conference that is greatly depleted that may not exist in a couple of years. I mean, they know that everybody's looking at this kind of with, with some skepticism, right? That's not to diminish her qualifications. She's very qualified. Uh, but it's just such a weird deal. Like, what can she do at the press? I mean, she could, she could certainly show that without revealing too much, like that there's a, a plan in place to try to do what's best for the, the athletes in the, in the winter and spring sports for the final five months of the conference existence, uh, that, that she's working to her best uh, 
capability to help Washington State and Oregon State navigate their future. Uh, but, you know, there's, it's very – it's just weird. I mean, there's never been anything like it. She's the first female commissioner of a power conference. But, you know, the Pac-12, how long is it going to be a power conference, right? It, it's just – and it's unfortunate in that she's very qualified. And she could have been – she would have done a better job as commissioner than the guy who's leaving tomorrow. Yeah, George Klyovkov will leave tomorrow, and, um, you know, I, I don't expect that we're going to hear much from him. I'm sure there's an NDA involved in his in his uh, departure. But, uh, you know, what do you make of Klyovkov's tenure, I guess, as we look back at his time as the commissioner, his his actions? Biggest mistake that George Klyovkov made? Oh, boy. I mean, there's so many, uh, and they all involve one thing, right? I mean, they all involve keeping the conference together. He was hired. That was his only job. Keep the conference together. Sign a media deal. Keep the conference together. And he failed. That was it. He, he failed at his one task. Uh, and now, it's not all his fault, right? The president's played a huge role. He inherited a tough situation from Larry Scott, but he still made a bunch of mistakes, it's hard for me to pinpoint just one. You could say, oh, he needed to keep USC and UCLA uh, in the conference. To me, that's a lot easier said than done. When the Big Ten comes after those schools with promises of $70 million bucks a, ye- a year per school, it's going to be hard to keep them, right? There's no way the Pac-12 could have met that money. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, hiring the, eight, the uh, media advisor he did, Doug Perlman, kind of a boutique shop instead of getting a, a big gun in the media world that would have some leverage with your, your network partners, uh, not managing the, the presidents properly. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things. Uh, but I would say the biggest to me is he just never seemed to understand the urgency. He never seemed to understand the need for relationships. And college sports is built on relationships. And he didn't he never got that. And he never got how he had to hustle. And he just he just the lack of urgency I thought doomed the conference. George Klyovkov uh exits, Teresa Gold takes over. I I keep thinking about Oregon State and Washington State. They they are not traditionally great at branding themselves. And yet they have more eyes on them right now than maybe ever in their history. Is there anything they can do as athletic departments right now to be, you know, this is this is something they control. They control like realignment was out of their control, but they can control their brands. Wilner, it can't. Is there anything they can do or or do they need to be more aggressive as it pertains to um, their own brand and this time? I mean, the Cougars are doing a good job with hoops, right? I mean, if they get in the NCAA tournament, that will certainly help. Uh, Oregon State's men's basketball situation is so bad that I, I don't know that you can, you know, you cannot put lipstick on the pig, right, to a certain degree. But the biggest thing to me is, you know, they got to win in next football season as much as they can. I don't know. I think there's a ceiling on how much they can do, right? They're going to sign a media deal to get their home games on TV, it's not going to be for that much money, but they should make sure they maximize exposure, you know, so that they've got games, uh, I don't know about ESPN, but certainly like Fox or CBS and not not on a streaming service. But winning in football, to me, is the biggest thing they can do. And, we'll you know, we'll see how each team performs next season. They've got some good games, some good opponents. So that won't be – there won't be a real credibility issue. 
but they got to win. And if they can win, that would help them maximize the opportunity. Yeah, you mentioned you hit on something with, you know, they're going to sell their media rights. Oregon State has seven home football games. Washington State has six. Washington State plays Texas Tech on September 7th. Uh, the Beavers play Oregon in a non-conference game. Those games probably they could sell to a, uh, you know, to a carrier who's going to get them a little more exposure. But what do they value? Is it, is it more about revenue for, for Oregon State and Washington State, or is it more about staying visible next football season? I think it should be about visibility. That, to me, the biggest problem for them is that people forget about them. Not that they get, say, let's say they got a deal where it could be, uh, you know, Fox or CBS and it's uh, a million bucks a game or, and I'm just pulling these numbers out, you know, top of my head, or they could be on streaming for two million a game. To me, it's well worth it to, to have the exposure and, and just kind of give up on that extra cash. They've got enough cash with the, the settlement with the Pac-12 to you know fund their operations for a while they're not dependent upon every single dime from a media deal they are dependent on being relevant and that you know that is the key to whatever happens next for them starting in 2026 they need to be relevant for the next two years in this kind of bridge period for them so i would i would pass on a little bit extra money if it meant i could get on linear tv i got a text from our old friend Oliver Luck today. He says, I just came across a quote, and it describes very well the situation in college sports. Quote, the old is dying, but the new is not yet born. In the interim, a whole variety of morbid symptoms are emerging. It, I'm worried about college athletics. It, has the ship sailed, Wilner? Oh, boy. No, I don't think the ship has sailed. I mean... You know, you can look at TV ratings for the last season and you see how popular college football is. But there's a lot of problems. There's no doubt about the, the problems and, and the problems that will impact, you know, the athletes and the fans. Uh, I just – it's going to take a while to get through this. And the, one, the thing that they can't do that is the thing they're probably going to do is try to piecemeal everything together, right, and, and – deal with one problem and then another problem and then another. they got to come up with a big solution to get everything solved sooner than later. To me, it all comes down to the fact that the, you know, they're going to have to pay the players. Whether the courts tell them to or they decide on their own, they're going to have to pay the players. And the quicker they get their arms wrapped around that and agree to do it, the better for the industry. And we'll also see if there's some schools that decide they don't want to do that, that they're out, basically. Like, is Stanford going to play, pay players? Is Duke and Cal and Vanderbilt? I don't know how those schools are going to come down, but to me, that they've got to just they got they can't just try to get a bandaid on here and there. They got to they got to deal with the big issues. John Wilner, I appreciate you. Congrats on the APSC honor. You deserved it. You work your butt off. Appreciate you, man. Same to you, my friend. Thank you very much. There he goes, John Wilner, San Jose Mercury News. Coming up, Anna pops into the studio, 5 at 5, top of the hour, whole bunch ahead, plus punch it audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... 
If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.